Well, hey, it's Ty from Breaker Culture. Hope you're doing well. This is episode 35 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Uh, thanks so much for continuing to follow us and uh, giving us constant feedback. We really appreciate the opportunity to do what we do. So, uh, yeah, today we get in the, the biggest argument, the longest argument that Shani and I have ever gotten into, uh, at least on the air. Um, and we we really really dig our claws into. Panini Prism Basketball, because it released this week in the hobby side, and first off the line came out last week. Retail comes out in about 10 days. It's the biggest release. It has everything to do with chasing rookies in the NBA, and that's what we love to do. Uh, we've provided a lot of content on our website, BakerCulture.com, for NBA rookies, and he argues that there's no value in some of the teams. Spending 200 bucks is not realistic. I argue that there is value, and here's the why. So listen to that. I'd love to know your feedback on that. First 45 minutes are all about prism basketball. So if you don't like that, don't care about basketball, skip to the second half. And uh, we pick up our discussion on the football card market. How do we save it? What are our suggestions for you as a collector if you want to invest in football? Um, and then we talk a little bit about entertainment, some of the stuff that's come up, a few follow-up thoughts to some other products and things that we brought up in the last few episodes. So yeah, thanks for joining us. We look forward to... Uh, Hearing your feedback, and uh, we had some interviews canceled this past week because of sicknesses. It's going around, obviously. So we pushed them off to this week. So this week we'll have multiple interviews hitting uh, hitting the uh, audio waves for Breaker Culture Weekly. We look forward to putting those out there for you. Um, thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Shani, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing well, Ty. How about yourself? Doing good. Thanksgiving week. It's Thanksgiving big. week. Yeah. It's a big week it's for big most week. people. I guess first off, wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. You guys enjoy your family this week. Hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this, you're not taking time away from your family. <laughs> 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 taking time away from football games. But uh, yeah, here we are. What, Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving. What uh, What's typically your traditions on Thanksgiving? I know, is that a, is that a Jewish celebrated holiday? Yeah, I mean, it's an American holiday, obviously. So yep. it's definitely something that Jewish Americans will celebrate. I have a bit of a unique experience in that I have one side of my family on my father's side that's a very Israeli family. My father's the only one who, from his family, left Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up, he didn't even know what Thanksgiving was until oh, wow. he actually came here in his 20s. Okay. Um, my mother is from the States, from Pittsburgh. And uh, the vast majority of my mother's side of the family is still in the States and in Pittsburgh. And with them, we we do celebrate. And, and so, yeah, in terms of tradition, in my home growing up, mm-hmm. we really didn't do much. It was really all about going and spending time with my mother's side of the family at their home. So, yeah, I mean, it's I feel very connected to Thanksgiving in that way although half of my existence coming from my father it really wasn't something very special or important at all right. sounds like you just sold something on eBay oh yeah there we go that's always, that's always a good sound <laughs> right so yeah I mean I, I definitely I do enjoy the holiday I think it's probably one of if not the holiday the the american holiday that's most widely um celebrated and most widely considered 
one of, if not the favorite holiday. Yeah. Um, of that category of holidays, if you will, non-religious yep. American-style holidays. I know in my area, and I think it's probably typical for most, it's the holiday that so many people come back home. So many people are out at the bars on Wednesday night and Thursday, even through the weekend. Yeah. It's almost like a bit of a reunion each year, and it's the time that you only get to see certain people each year around this time. Sure. When I was younger, I obviously would get involved a lot more mm-hmm. being, being a little older with kids. It's definitely not something I get as involved with. Um, I can't, I honestly, I couldn't even tell you the last time I went out to the local bars to see everybody. Um, always think about it I, around this time, Wednesday afternoon. And I always start thinking about whether or not I'm going to go check it out and see the scene. But what's uh, so what's your, uh, what's your go-to food Thanksgiving day? What do you oh, for, it's stuffing entirely. I mean, I'm not <laughs> the biggest fan of turkey. I don't mind turkey. I think it's just kind of blah. Turkey tastes whatever, like whatever you put on it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really have that much flavor on it, its own. It gets dry pretty easily. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't hate turkey by any means. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a, my aunt makes the best stuffing. And I think it's just your basic average generic stovetop that she has a couple of little tricks that she does to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just so good. And so, yeah, it really, as far as tradition, I would say what I've been doing since I was kind of in my early teens is going over to my aunt's house in the early afternoon and just sitting down with a big plate of stuffing in front of the TV with my cousins and watching football <laughs> to the point where by the time we actually were ready for dinner, which we, I think a lot of people do the whole dinner thing pretty early. Yeah. Um, I'm not even in a mood for anything. I'll just have an, like three big plates of stuffing before dinner. And then by then I'm just like, Oh no, I'm not eating the tough thing. I wonder if this is your experience at all, I don't know if you have in-laws that are actually in the States or near you in Kansas city, but since I've been married, it's, it's yeah. For all holidays, whether we're talking American holidays like Thanksgiving or the Jewish holidays, it's so difficult to spread ourselves between two families. My in-laws want us and their grandkids around. My parents want to spend time with us. My extended family wants to see us wherever they can. So that's where it's become difficult. We actually do two Thanksgiving dinners on the same day now. And, uh, yeah, I don't have the stomach for that. Um, I end up eating most of my stuffing at my aunt's house since she does make the best. And then my aunt, my mother-in-law makes this great cornbread stuffing. Oh, but it's still not number one. My aunt's is still number one. What about you? What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh, I go to mashed potatoes and gravy, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's the way I roll. Yeah, we uh, my grandma makes some pretty good stuff, but yeah, I, I I feel like as I've gotten older, I've become less interested in all the food, and now I'm just it's time to hang out with the family and enjoy being together. So yeah, it's all good, man. We're we're hosting this year, so we have like seventy people coming to our house tomorrow, so it should be really good. Did you say seventy? Yeah, yeah. My wife's family is pretty large. Yeah, there's that's... Tw- twenty-three grandkids alone. I mean, I got five of them, but yeah. There's a lot of kids coming. Wow. Yeah. The problem is there's there's no really good football games to 
to distract us from this year. I mean, Chicago, Detroit, blah. Chicago's going to crush him. Washington, Dallas. Okay, that's fun. But now that Alex Smith's out, not quite as intriguing. And Atlanta, New Orleans. I mean, really? Yeah. It's kind of frustrating. That might be the best game, Atlanta, New Orleans. Yeah, that's true. I mean, everyone keeps waiting for Atlanta to actually play up to their potential. But, I mean, it'd be pretty fun to see at least an exciting game on Thursday night. But yeah, well, you know, still still a lot of products rolling out. This is a massive week in the basketball market. Yes, it is. And and you and I have been, I feel like we've been talking two or three times a day just because of all the prism craziness. I feel like I've been talking about prism in general for over a month now. Actually, I think we have. Well, we, we have. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's the frustrating part. And the exciting part right now is that it's here. So I guess real quick for folks that don't know, so Hobby comes out today, and this is the 21st of November. Um, retail was supposed to come out on Friday, so a couple days from now, 20, uh, 23rd. It got pushed back to the uh, 6th, so December 6th is when it actually hits the streets. You can't get it before then. So that means retail blasters and cello slash fat packs aren't coming out for a couple weeks. I guess when you hear that, Shani, what do you kind of what's your reaction to that? Good thing, bad thing? How does it affect the hobby? Well, let me speak first selfishly because it affects the hobby in one way, which may be relatively similar to how it affects me. But selfishly, in terms of how it affects me, obviously you want to be as close to the early dates of release that you might have whenever you might have something to sell for any product you want to be you know early and up front so knowing full well that the vast majority of prism that i'm going to open is coming from retail mm-hmm. that's a, obviously a bit disappointing yep um in terms of how it affects the hobby i think for those folks that don't necessarily look to retail for folks that are either opening their own wax or jumping into breaks and hoping that the breakers turn shipping around quickly. Um, but especially for those that are buying a lot of the product for themselves to rip and resell. Um, that's, that's the huge benefit for sure for them. I think it probably slows the trickle down to what ends up on eBay Um, not that we haven't seen already. I mean, we have seen quite a bit end up on eBay, but rather than retail being available and that obvious amount of cards also being listed quickly, um, adding to what's already out there, I think, you know, you're, you're going to see the, the amount of cards that are listed on eBay and the pricing affected in a positive way meaning it's it's going to the it's going to be somewhat limited you're not going to have that thrust of all skews so you know as as we've already seen with uh as you and i have discussed some of the Doncic results early on have been insane insane yeah yeah so why don't we just go ahead and say it the the first couple of silver prism Doncic's have sold for how much no less than five hundred, right? You have uh, basically five hundred to six fifty is what your is what Doncic silver prices are at right now. Uh, 
Yeah, I, it's not. It's far exceeding what we predicted. I mean, oh, we, totally. we thought we it would be expensive, but yeah. man, that's insane. Insane. Yeah. So, so a couple thoughts real quick on what I think is going to impact or how the how the uh, retail pushing back will impact the hobby. So, I think it goes without saying that ho- hobby is extremely expensive and really, really hard for normal people to buy wax. Yeah. So to get a, a a wax to get a sealed case, you're looking at twenty seven hundred to three thousand, depending on the retailer that you go through. Um, so and and there's not a there's there's not a lot of hobby cases available. Even the biggest breakers out there have no more than ten cases. So you figure there's probably not going to be a ton of silvers hitting the market from people just opening up hobby wax it's just not going to happen there's going to be those you know one-off boxes that people buy and a few guys that'll break a bunch of cases but it was so allocated and it's so expensive that i don't i don't think the silver prices will drop so much in the first couple weeks obviously you're going to see a little bit of a pullback dantage isn't going to be 600 bucks for you know the <laughs> the short term but like that to me is a really good thing because having some, some sort of sustainability with the silver prices makes it kind of fun. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. my first observation on that. Uh, second, I'm really curious to see how silvers do break down in retail this year. So last year, I mean, you, you were getting 12 to 15 um, silver silver uh, silvers out of just the cello boxes. Right. Which I mean, for I mean, for, if you're investing in prison basketball, you go put your money in cellos, and it's really, really hard not to make money in this product. Let's uh, make sure that terminology is understandable across the board. When we refer to cello cases in this product, mm-hmm. we're essentially talking about those hanger packs that have four packs inside, three regular packs and one extra pack that has its own special border. Typically in the past, it's been red, white, and blue. Correct. And same, same this um, year. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, the, the SKUs in retail are those hanger packs mm-hmm. and then those gravity feed boxes, or maybe not the gravity feeds, nope. but the regular retail boxes, if you will, that have 24 packs, Correct. individual packs. Yep. And then blasters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any new additions to the retail configurations this year. There's not. No, there's not. And yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, so cellos, they're somewhat harder to find because those are typically the ones that go fir- first, at least from people that I know collect that collect prison basketball. But yeah, that's where you're going to get most of the silvers. Red, white, and blues sell really well. Uh, exclusive on the blaster side, you get green pulsars, which are... Number to twenty-five. You get the patches, of course, and the, the uh, sensational swatches, and the swatches prime, and all that crap. Um, and then retail, you get pink pulsars, which are number to forty-two. But those typically, surprisingly, just don't sell that well. So definitely surprising. Although this year may be different, since yeah, you've got some some big big names that you know. I, well, I think you could say safely, anything Donchus is going to sell well. Yep. Almost anything for a, a, probably a list of guys as deep as five or six names are going to sell pretty well. Right. Um, and then after that, it's still going to you know give you the opportunity to, to profit off of this stuff if you're selling it. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's going to be hard to justify keeping a lot of this stuff if you're more of a collector and less of a seller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Because if it's not a guy that you really love or a team that you really love, how can you justify holding on to you know a Trey Young if you can care less about the Hawks? Um, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean we we've run the numbers. We've talked about last year's prism. I mean this is a perfect example as the rookie crop from last year continues to crap all over themselves. I mean, it's some it, there's there's a certain satisfying um, feeling that I think you and I both share that at least this early on we're so right about the success of this rookie class versus last year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and there are certain guys that still haven't even jumped off. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about that real quick, right? So we talked about Doncic getting five to six hundred. Let me read off some of these prices to you, and you tell me if anything's surprising to you. Aiton's getting about three hundred, which is what we predicted. That that won't sustain, right? It's going to be two hundred in two weeks. Young is is one seventy five to two fifty silver, which I can see going up if he has a couple huge games in a week. Yep. Bagley one forty to two hundred. Mm, that's not going to stay there. No, Knox ninety to one twenty. That that has the most. I think he might have the at least in the category of the most volatile guys. Mm-hmm. He can go. He can double and he can be cut in half. Yep, depending S- on his performance. Sexton eighty to one twenty right now. Low. Yep, I would agree with that. I think that's low. I think he's the guy that can easily be one fifty. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s ninety to one thirty, having question not even mark. played yet, right? Yeah, right. We'll <laughs> put a question mark there. Uh, the guy that you and I both had in our radar is one of those guys to keep an eye out on, and he already has exploded. Shea Gilgis Alexander is going for one hundred to one forty already, and the guy yeah. just is dominating right now for the Clippers. Yeah, I think because we knew that the collecting world was probably not well aware of who he was and the fact that he went to the Clippers, obviously not a franchise that you'd be too excited about if there's a guy that you want to collect, if you're not that team's fan. Like if you're not a Clippers fan, but you have a guy that you want to collect that happens to be picked by any team, mm-hmm. the Clippers are probably not the team you're really hoping that guy goes to. Yep. So with that, the combination of those facts, I think we both like the guy, but we're concerned about those factors. And it seems like... <laughs> He's vastly overcome any potential factor that might affect his values in a bad way. He's overcome it and shot through a cannon. Well, what's helped is the Clippers are playing really well. I mean, they're what fourth place in the Western Conference, so they yeah like, they're competing I, at a high level. So, which in and of itself is another conversation we can have <laughs> totally. whether or not that's sustainable. Yeah. On one hand, I see it as sustainable because they're not a team of superstars at all. In mm-hmm. fact, you could argue that there are none. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of the, I, I think about the Pistons back in, were, the, were they the Pistons of the late nineties, early two thousands? I can't remember the year. So Billups was the starting point guard. Sheed Wallace and Ben Wallace were the big men. Totally. Yeah. And you know, it's it basically anytime you want to talk about a team that has won a championship without the requisite two to three superstars, Who's done it? And th- there are very few teams that have ever won a championship in the NBA without the requisite two to three superstars. Yeah. And that Pistons team was just the ultimate team. I think that's what you said. And I'm not suggesting that the Clippers are a championship team. I'm just saying a team like that that performs above expectations and often – it often is the case that it's entirely because of just uh, excellent teamwork. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you could almost say that with the, the Nuggets as well. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you, I mean, the Joker, well, Jokic I, is a pretty, he's, he's French star for sure. I think Jokic and Murray are both vastly underrated, both yeah. because they're in Denver and because they just aren't flashy guys to watch. Right. Although I would argue to watch a big man pass the way Jokic does is some of the most exciting basketball to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Yep. And Murray, Murray's just ugly. He's a really ugly guy. What is, so it's hard to... What does his looks have to do with anything? I feel everything. like that's just not... <laughs> looks has everything to do with everything. Oh, boy. Anyway. Which I'm, is why we're on the radio. We're on podcast. Exactly. Yeah. I'm obviously kidding, but I think uh, no, the point sure. I'm trying to make is I don't disagree with you about Denver because it's not a two-man team. They are a, a team that has far greater depth. Yep. Um, and they are probably the closest to the Clippers in that kind of teamwork point but that's in large part why i think we see the clippers do well well okay so let's let me finish naming off some of these players then so you got jaron jackson 100 140 feel like upside low low yeah Yeah. uh hamadou diallo is 60 to 90 right now i think that's one of those mm, okay let's wait and see (laughs) Let's wait and see. I'm going to put down arrow I think there. That's a, that's a lot of OKC fans without somebody to chase. Well, t- totally. Yeah. And again, I mean, Thunder's fifth seed in the Western Conference right now. And right. Diallo's had a couple really nice games. Uh, Miles Bridges, 50 to 80. I think that's Low. where he should be. You think so? Yeah, you do. I do. I, I just don't see a lot of upset with Miles Bridges. I'm just not seeing it right now. I think he already had a pretty decent following before he played a minute in the totally. NBA. Yeah, coming from Villanova helped a lot. Uh, Lonnie Walker. Here's a surprising one. Lonnie Walker, you can't get for less than 50. 50 to 80 right now, which I think is a great price. And he's not playing for the entire year, right? Oh, no. He's back in a couple weeks. Oh, is he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. I think that's a steal then if he's going to play this year. Okay. So then we got Bamba going from 50 to 70. Um... We've talked about Bamba. Based on the hype, he's low. Based on where he was yep. picked and the hype, that's low. But we talked about him in the past, and uh, I don't know. At least you don't see a lot of promise there. I don't see a lot of hobby promise. I mean, he, he's going to be a difference maker for sure. But guys who are def- defensive and, and you know blockers, you can reject right. shot and just don't sell for much. Uh, well, I'll put a question mark there. That's an interesting one. Alonzo Trier, 40 to 60. Now, that, that's one that came out of nowhere. That's <laughs> Panini's like, yes. <laughs> I, I I honestly I expected it to start higher though. Yeah, oh the first couple sold like 70, 75, but I mean they settled real quick. There's only five or six sold, right? But they settled between 40 and 60. Th- that to me is like one of those yeah, that's probably close to his peak. That'd be my guess. Think that's an interesting one. If he continues to play the way he had and you know with a an injury or two to the team where they that potentially gets him more minutes. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. He could he could he could shoot up. Yeah. Uh Laundry Shamit, thirty to fifty. <laughs> That's interesting. Right? That's really that might be the the investment of them all that you've listed so far. Yeah, if you if you can snag a, a Shamit for thirty, like give me that all day long. Um Grayson Allen, twenty to thirty. 
Sorry, real quick though, back to Shamit. Mm-hmm. Or do you know I haven't paid attention? Is he losing minutes to Butler since Butler joined the team? Um, yes, he is. Yeah, so he was yeah. logging quite a few minutes before the Butler trade. Well, so I'll and tell you pro- his minute rundown is is um. So here's the last five games from November 10th. He was 42 minutes. Heat 12th. He was 24. Then he dropped from the 14th. This is after the Butler trade to 15. Jazz 14. Yeah. Hornet. The last two games though, he's put 23 and 21 in. So he, he's probably the guy suffering the most in terms of where he gets his minutes once Butler joined the team, though. Yeah, but I mean, hmm, you'll take 21 minutes as a rookie. On a contending oh, no, oh, no, team, no, no, that's no a, I'll take that all day. Yeah. Oh no, no doubt. Well, the thing is, they don't have really strong perimeter shooting. Yeah, and he's shooting thirty six percent from three point line. And now 100%. that now that Fultz is out, he's going to take Fultz's minutes. Well, that's uh, yeah, yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. I was listening to something about Fultz last night, and it's just wow. I, I don't know what to think. I can't believe. I wonder what his prices are right now. I would assume with the new rookie class. Um, that that hype train has finally died. I can't believe the hype, the full hype train lasted as long as it. Where I think the last time we talked, he was still seventy dollar range for his silvers, which is mind boggling because he not only has not done anything, but there's no end to the pain that you can potentially see. He's down done. The line. He's done. I think. Well, Were you I, predicting the end of his career, essentially? Uh, I'm not predicting the end of his career. Like he, a number one draft pick is going to hang around for a lot longer than someone else yeah. of you know with this type of injury. But I think it's a mental thing. And oh, like fixing so the too. mental side of it just might not much tougher. Yeah, it just might not happen. But I mean, I, I put out a post last week of the updated Prism ladders for last year's Prism Silvers, and it's brutal. Like brutal it's brutal for Fultz. Brutal for almost everybody. I mean, there's a few guys like De'Aaron Fox that are obviously doing really well, and a couple other guys like the John Collins and some of the guys that are hanging around. But like Tatum, Tatum's <laughs> suffering. Suffering. Uh, oh yeah. Why? Because he's not playing well. I mean, what do people expect? For, if you don't realize that Tatum is going to be a top five player in the league five years from now and for the foreseeable future, I, mean, I love the idea that his numbers, are because of his early season play, which, by the way, isn't just him. It's the entire team. But uh, I, I, I'd love to see his prices go down so they might become somewhat affordable. But, man, that's one guy I would put the mortgage on. Interesting. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I think what people concerns people and it concerns me is that he's just not very assertive. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that I've heard from reading some actual Boston um, sports Mm -hmm. uh, articles that that's the concern in Boston as well and behind the scenes. You know, he, don't forget, he's still 19. Yeah, it's twenty. But yeah, he, I mean, <laughs> twenty. Yeah. Okay, he just turned twenty. Uh, he'll get there. I, I'm really not assertiveness is something that you can definitely, yeah, definitely get someone to. I I actually think that he'll get there though. It might be at the expense of a guy like Kyrie or Hayward. 
mm. or both or both right and that one of the one of the more difficult things that Boston is facing as a team is that they gelled and performed so well as a team late in the regular season and into the playoffs last year without their superstars and now their superstars are coming back and trying to lead the team, and it actually is rocking up the cart a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that they they haven't fully figured out how to play together with those guys that stepped up, right. Tatum, Brown, Smart, and these and Rozier, and then these guys that are their true best and you know true leader players, right. So right. they'll figure that out, though. I don't. I think they have the benefit of one of the best coaches in the league, and one of the best GMs in the league, and the knowledge that if we do figure this out, it's potentially a championship. Yep. So motivation yep. is there too. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah. I think there's uh, the, or there's a, so there's a dip happening, but it, it probably isn't a sustainable dip. Tatum's still one of the best guys to go after from the last five years right but then regardless of that um what's with Fultz what about his numbers Fultz is done <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying that Fultz, so, Fultz so is his, done so his silver prices have dropped to you know uh, below 20 oh no 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 I mean they will drop below 20 um so as of last week Fultz was let's just look here Fultz moved down to number five in the top 10 he is down to 47, and, I mean... That makes no sense. Oh, that, that, that's fact... going to be much lower, man. That's going to be 25 yeah. to 30, and then who knows from there. The, the crazy thing to think about is with him, he opened at 168. Yeah. If, you, if you compare that to what you're seeing in this class, that puts him at, like, number six. That's funny. <laughs> number <Wow>. seven. <laughs> That was the number two guy opening up last year, and he he would, doesn't even crack the top five in this year's release. There's perspective for you. Wow. Yeah. Um, Doncic selling for five four times as much as him. Craziness. Yeah. So so real quick back to Prism, and then we can we can wrap up and move on from this. Um, top top fifteen teams for Prism. We ran through those. Basically, all the rookies. If you add all those up together right now for case prices, they're selling for approximately twenty five hundred bucks. Right. So what we said was, as a breaker, you're covering your costs with mm-hmm. the sale of half the teams. Yep. And so, it's definitely a lucrative product. <laughs> yeah. From no every doubt. angle you want to look at it, despite the fact that. The numbers have been so inflated. Yep. Now that's obviously assuming that they're going to sell, and that brings us to another element of this conversation entirely, that is all about whether or not the pricing for this product, the inflation for this product, that is based on hype, has priced out the majority of us as collectors. Yep. I know for me, I can answer quickly and say. I'm priced out. I'm not buying wax. I'm probably not even buying into breaks because the prices are so insane. Mm. And that's just an unfortunate reality. I'm probably one of these guys that's doing a couple of things. Definitely excited and waiting for retail to pop. 
And as far as breaks, I shouldn't say I'm not buying into them at all. What I'm going to do is focus a lot of my attention on really paying close attention to eBay auctions and not just every, well, I'm going to be paying attention to everything, but special attention to auctions that are ending at odd times of the day, either really early or really late. Mm -hmm. Uh, love to see those auctions that are ending during the early part of the day, you know, say before four o'clock before 4 PM, hoping that even people that are paying close attention might get distracted from work or whatever it might be. Um, so let me, let, let, let me give you some insights here. So take, taking the numbers that you and I talked about before we started recording today, we got kind of average prices for these teams. And then looking at the checklist, if you go to breakerculture.com, click on checklist headquarters in the top and click on basketball, you'll see prism in there. And we have all these numbers that you can run here. Are the teams I think are the most that provide the most value for the prices right now. You tell me what you think about this. Number one, Phoenix Suns. The most value? And here's why. Phoenix Suns have the third most numbered hits and autos in the product. And they're selling for, what, 250 200 to 250 right now. You got Aiden. You got Mikkel Bridges. You got Okubo. And then you have Barkley. You have Booker. You have Marbury. And you have Josh Jackson and Steve Nash. Like that, to me, like that is a there's a ton of value in the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, I I understand what you're saying based on definition. I do think though that there's a certain price range that's just inaccessible, and even though 250 might be valuable for the potential return, 250 is above the price range for so many people. Yeah, well, it, look, it's a $3,000 case product. Like, you could say that for any product that's, I mean, yeah, you're not going to go get into Topps Dynasty for 50 bucks. Like, for a no, full no. case. It, it's funny that you say, yeah, but at the same time, it should. it's not a $3,000 case product. What is right? it? Prism. It is. That's the no. point. Like, when you got I, a Donchit Silver selling for 600 it yeah, you that, actually, you actually, it's worth 3000 That's Donchich, though. But that's Donchich. And you're not you're not talking about buying Doncic. You're talking about buying other teams than Doncic. Aiton so, sells for three fifty. I get it, and and I guess because I'm the kind of person that both my personality and by necessity I have to pay closer attention to the budget. I just can't accept the idea of a team that's going to cost me $250 being considered a value relative to the potential return and to the total cost. I get it. Um, I just think you know, there's a lot of people out there okay. that hear that number and they're just going to say to themselves, the word and the number don't belong in the same sentence. Okay. Well, you can't, you can't say one thing that it's not valuable to you and then say like in comparison to the price and what the return, it is valuable. Like it well, either isn't or isn't. No, no, no. I think, valuable. Well, I think value in and of itself is a word that can have multiple definitions. And I didn't necessarily put the definitions out there, but what I'm saying is to the individual that has an eye toward the budget 
and will never compete for a team that costs $250, there's no value in a team that costs $250 regardless of the potential return or the value of the total product. Yeah, we just disagree. You you pay you, you get what you pay for, I guess. It, like, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Yeah, you can't afford it, then move on. I get it, but like the the, the prices are what they are, and the point of us being in existence is to help people like weed through some of that stuff and figure out okay, where being that these are the prices and this is a very expensive product, how should I spend my money? Uh, right. So, so from that perspective, my point is there's a few teams in here that although they're expensive, they're they're still pretty valuable. Like Mavericks, I'm not spending $500 on the Mavericks because you basically have to hit the Donchits. Like there's no point. With the Suns, well, you, you don't have to hit the Aiton. $250. That's you, what the point I'm making is you don't wait, wait, have wait to second. hit the Aiton. Well, what you you do have to hit one of three cards. You can't hit four of Kobos and expect to get it back. Sure, but but, but like I said, you're not getting it back for even a um, Booker auto. Okay, you have to hit an Aiton or a Barkley, an Aiton, a Barkley, a Mikel Bridges, something of substance, and then the point there is it's a case, and you have Marbury, Nash, Jackson. I'm just saying there's more to it to just this Aiton, and there's there's actually somewhat. When you like, say Marbury and Nash, by the way, are you saying that they have autographs in the product? They have so Marbury has. Uh, let's look here. He's got uh, prism. He's got a lot of the numbered cards, uh, as you can expect. Neither one has an auto, mm-hmm. which I kind of expected. Kevin Johnson. That's hilarious. Kevin Johnson has an autograph. <laughs> wow, he, he was an amazing player back in his day. He just doesn't have much value. No, totally not. KJ, that's funny. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll this we can agree. The mayor of Sacramento. There. We'll agree to disagree on there. Phoenix, whatever, two fifty. I think ultimately it's not a matter of disagreeing as much as it is an emotional thing. Yeah, you don't want to spend right? two fifty. I get it. It's well, and I'm thinking about not just myself, but all the people out there, which I know there are a great number of, that will never be able to spend two fifty on one team in one case. And when we talk about the value, I, I I just think that, look, I think this also has to come back to the fact that even though the secondary market dictates what true value is, that for years, Prism has not been this expensive of a product overall. This is not considered a high-end product. Hmm. By definition, it's mid range if not mid it's mid to high in my mind based on the prices that people pay for inflated potential now i understand that some of that potential is realized in the silvers for you know a number of these guys but at its in you know really before silver started to go crazy which is a, 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 an experiment that started four years ago. Prism was never like this, and it really it didn't take an, it really didn't start in, in 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 a way that we're looking at it today until three years ago. Um, well, it started when it came out what 2012 13, right? That's the first year. 
No, no, no. But silvers weren't going. I, crazy. I know, I know. But it start it started with Prism being hot specifically for the golds. Remember Damian Lillard and oh, the gold yeah. rush. Oh yeah. So like right, right. there was excitement around Prism and there was price inflation, but it wasn't because of the silvers. Yeah. The silver craze. Yeah, the silver craze. Taking, is this is basically the closest thing in the entire hobby to Bowman baseball. Yeah, exactly. And prospecting. Mm-hmm. This, this this is the equivalent, 100%. I agree. Because that is, I think, by all considerations, a low-end product, mm-hmm. an entry-level product. And ultimately, Prism isn't entry-level. It's not hoops. It's not Donruss. But as we see, it's only – it's the next product. Right. Or, you know. Anyway, I don't think it's a matter of agreeing or disagreeing. I think it's a matter of perspective of what one can afford. And then the emotion that comes from that, because you want so badly as a collector to get involved in a product that's hot. And when that product isn't the likes of a National Treasures or a Flawless, that you can say to yourself, well, I was never getting into that product anyway. But it's a prism that... You feel like you really should be able to, and you can't. It's frustrating. And I feel for anybody out there that is thinking that way today, because I am. And I know, you know, kind of where you're coming from. There are teams that I would love to buy in multiple breaks. And by the way, I think it does have to be said that you kind of made the point that if you buy the Suns at that value, you don't have to hit this or you don't have to hit that. But at the, at the same time, you do realize in just one case, your your chances of really doing well are what? You know, maybe in prison because of the value of the silvers is better than most other products. But you're not going to get more than one Aiton autograph if you get one you're not going to get more than i don't know you're definitely your, your chances of getting even one barkley are who knows how that's but there's probably 50 of them right well we're not i mean there's there's no point in us doing this you guessing how many you're going to get because that's not what prism's about prism's well, about the silvers my, and the parallels my statement isn't about well yeah but, but it, you're it, making and the point back to your point Shimi, you don't like, have to hit an eight and autograph to do well there's barkley well you you have to hit a barkley autograph to make 250 worth it to hit a barkley silver i guess you could say that a barkley gold is fine you know but the, there's that there's only 10 more i'm trying to make the point that buying one case for that price if you're going to make the stretch to do the 250 is still only one case. And how good can you really do off of one case beyond getting super lucky? You could say that about any product ever. Like, yeah, but I'm not talking about a team that costs $250. Of course I can. I'm not, I, I understand. Dude, that. you've spent more than 250 in the last week on breaks alone. Uh, and, not, and, and look, and you just, just told me, me you wanted to go spend forty bucks on a three case break, a three three yeah, box that's, breaks. That's most likely all I'm going to be able to do is a couple of teams for forty bucks here and there. I'm but, not going to ever be able to buy Suns for two fifty. Okay, so unless I limit everything else that I do for that month, and that's totally fine. That's you. 
and that's three boxes. So well, if you multiply I, that out by a case, not, like you're actually spending a lot of money. Let's be fair, though. I'm case. not trying to focus on me entirely here. I am trying to be the representative for the guy that has to collect on a budget and can't afford to even consider prison at these prices. They'll know this fast forward passes anyway. <laughs> like, but they don't want to. There, there's no way to get some of the top teams for less than 200. It is, is what it is. I, I, I do realize that. Like, and that, and that, like, we can't change that. The reason they cost so much is because there's high end cards that the market's dictating. That's it. But, well, it doesn't mean like spending two hundred dollars is like an, you're an idiot if you spend two hundred dollars. Like no, oh, you're, I mean I'm not yeah. saying you're an idiot if you can afford it. By all means, you should do it. And the, there's the but, point. But that's the, the point I'm making time, to listen, you. You should do it. <laughs> but wait a second. Don't, let's not forget at all that part of the reason that this exists, that this situation exists, is because of the whole factor that we've talked about in past episodes of the middlemen. And people hoarding and allocating and driving prices up to get where it is. Because the cost that Prism charges the distributor is what? And then the distributor passes along how much more inflation based on what they think the product's going to do. I, I think that argument is is least effective with Prism basketball. Prism football, we could have that argument, but... There's there's no there's no argument when the actual secondary market pays these crazy prices. Like it, it what you don't blame why would a a retailer go sell a case for 20% markup like a 30% markup like normal when the market's willing to pay 75% markup. Prism football backfired on them because they were idiots and they tried to get more and the market didn't want to pay that much. But like basketball they want to pay that much and the silver prices actually like correspond with these high prices like that's basic supply and demand and like capitalism and this yeah. actually makes sense to me agree yeah uh, uh, in, yes in theory i agree it'll be interesting to see how long this level of inflated price is sustainable based on the return outside of certain specific players and teams that will be there again say that about any product but you and i put together a pricing expectation sheet for prism basketball and prism basketball alone and if we're anywhere close to what we think those prices should be then these these wax prices aren't moving anywhere oh i don't expect them to I don't expect the, the wax prices to actually the only way I expect them to go is up. Then I, okay. All right. Then I'm done arguing about it. You should be, then the prices for these breaks is not astronomical. In fact, it's, they're pretty reasonable and oh, well, you're, you're doing the right thing and you're getting into these breaks with three box breaks. And that's really for the, the guy that wants to spend less than a hundred bucks or whatever. It's really the only way to get into this product. I guess time will tell if that actually makes any sense. But and we're, we're saying all this, and we haven't even seen one box or case broken. This could all change when we see these cases start to be broken, and the the collation's bad. They don't drop silvers as much. Like that stuff. Well, will, that's, that's my the... biggest fear, by the way. And I I know I've asked this of you, or I've posed it, and you've answered. 
um, on the last few episodes and then in just one-on-one conversations we've had on the phone, are we sure they're not cutting back on silvers? And I, I know why I'm asking the question, because the decision to cut football down to one rookie silver per box was so dramatic that there's just part of me that feels like the other shoe's going to drop and it's going to happen in basketball. And that's scary. I I feel like the rumor mill would have been an overdrive if folks would have even thought that that was the case. And I haven't heard any rumors. It doesn't sound like you have either. No, I haven't. So, yeah, I mean, we I got write-ups right from the you know distributors on retail, and retail looks like it's going to be somewhat in line with what it was last year. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, and so again, for those that don't know, blasters will get you one prism on minimum uh, each each blaster. Retail boxes will get one you silver prism. One silver, sorry, one silver. There's greens. You'll other get other two other like prisms in a blaster box as well. Um, a retail box will get you six prism silvers and six other prisms, so 12 total prisms. And a cello case per box, you'll get uh, 12 prisms. How many silvers. of those hanger packs are in a case? Hanger packs, well, in a box, you're going to get 12 packs. So you're saying, when you say packed, you mean the pack of four, right? Correct. It's so a ten dollars solo pack, yeah. Right, right. So you're how many did you say? How many prisms in each? You'll get one one prism silver a pack, guaranteed. And one, okay. and you'll get a pack of three red, white, and blues as well per pack. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that does seem like the value because you're guaranteed those red, white, and blues. Well that so you figure you're getting one a blaster, which is twenty bucks, or for the same price, twenty bucks, you can get Two silvers, if you got two and packs. six red, white, and blues. Yeah, yep. that's not that's a no brainer. No brainer. Yep. How much are the retail boxes if you bought the whole thing? Retail box uh, SRP is seventy two. Um, so you do the math there. What is that? Six divided by seventy two. That's what twelve. Or so twelve dollars a silver. For seventy two, you can buy seven point two. Yep. Cellos, which gives you seven plus 21 red, white, and blues. Wow. No brainer. <laughs> right. So again, we'll close out this whole prison discussion, which we're an hour in now. <laughs> wow. Uh, on Basically, go buy cello packs. The prism basketball episode. Where it's mostly you and I arguing about the Phoenix Suns being priced. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's a good thing for folks to listen to. They may think I'm a complete idiot that doesn't understand the definition of value or capitalism, and that's fine. Um, Ultimately, it's all about the fact that there's an exciting product that we can all sink our teeth into, whether you're a huge basketball fan or just a card rip flipper. um, This is the product outside of Bowman. And that's really what I've come to conclude that outside of Bowman baseball prospecting in the entire hobby, this is the product. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, this is a very important year because this is a bridge year. And it's actually become, it's not even become a bridge year, really. It's become a, I think, will end up becoming a foundational year to what next year looks oh like God. to be. And in, there's going to be so much hype. It's unreal. Three, and that's going to be three years in a row. Yep. 
And really, if you consider four years in a row, because there was a lot of hype, uh, what rookie class was that? Was that Wiggins? Mm-hmm. Uh, three years was ago. That, yeah, so four years in a row of crazy yeah. rookie classes. Um, yeah, exactly. The league has to expand. That's a whole other conversation. Totally. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll uh, we'll pick up some other quick topics we wanted to test. All right, so we're going to take a break from advertisers this week, and we have two special requests for you, our devoted listening audience. Number one, if you could just take a moment and go to iTunes, if, especially if you're listening on iTunes, and fill out a review and a rating for us. It would be super helpful for us to know what you think, and it would help us in our search rankings, which is always a good thing. We'd love to know that this is something that you enjoy and that you want us to keep doing uh, so please do that. Go to iTunes in the podcast section. When you search for Breaker Culture Weekly, you'll see us, and you can tap to rank. We love a five-star, but we want you to rank us the way you feel that we deserve to be ranked. The second thing is uh, go to BreakerCulture.com and check out all the different features that we have and and use the site and let us know what you think. If there's things you want added, add it. But we've added a couple new things recently. One of them I think is one of the coolest it's uh, an integration with uh, Chris from CRT Sports Cards, who I think does a great job at breaking down products. And I asked Chris uh, to see if he'd be willing to partner with us and, and do a bi-weekly um, article on the site, breaking down one of the top baseball products that he, I guess, invests in and help us understand really the breakdown of that product. And I think it's uh, I think it's a really helpful insight. He just threw up a, a great post on 2018 Tops Update Baseball, which I love. I think it's a great product. And he breaks it down for you uh, in its entirety and tells you how to make money in the product. If you're going to rip cases or rip boxes, here's how you do it. So uh, yeah, go check it out. Go see what you think about it. Um, and uh, give give Chris a, a shout out on Twitter, CRT Sports Cards. And um Go check us out at BreakerCulture.com and look at all the other new stuff that keeps hitting the site every few days. Back to the show. All right, we're back. So I think one thing you and I want to do, Shani, is is uh, cover off on our pretty heated discussion last week about <clears throat> what's wrong with football collecting, the impact of football cards, and I think we'll maybe spend 20 minutes and talk about the solution that we see to football cards. Um, maybe from a collector's perspective and then maybe from the hobby's perspective, like as a manufacturer, if they're listening, what are some suggestions that you and I would have? So I think you want to say something from the onset before we dive into that. Yeah. I mean, when we say football is dead, obviously first and foremost, the statement in and of itself is somewhat dramatic and catchy. And we say it, for effect. At the same time, we say it because in large part, we do feel that way from the perspective of investing. Football is not dead as a sport, nor as something to collect as a fan. I'm a perfect example. I'm a huge Steelers fan. If anything, even though overall I'm more of a basketball fan per sport, I'm not a fan of one team more than I am of the Steelers. And so I'm still collecting the Steelers. I'm still always going to go after Steelers. But I have a clear expectation, and that is that's going straight into my PC 
and I don't look to buy football cards or get into breaks or break wax for the expectation of being able to flip something for significant profit. If it happens, I got lucky. That's yep. great. Yeah. I hope I hope it does happen. Obviously, I'd like I I love pulling high-end QBs whether they're rookies or vets or legends and being able to flip them or or who knows what, but it's not my expectation. Sure. Um I love to get duplicates of my Steeler stuff so that I can keep one and sell one because the Steelers do tend to sell half decently. Um but 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 if I'm looking truly to invest and make a profit whether short term or long in both cases, I'm looking towards baseball or basketball. Yep. And if I spend that money on football for that purpose, I, I'm making a mistake, mm-hmm. period. That money is not going to go as far, and it's potentially going to fizzle and die before I could even turn around and make that profit. Right. So solution number one to this problem yes. is if you're looking to invest in the hobby, look somewhere else. Stay away from football. <laughs> If you're looking to get involved out of pure passion and true collecting, by all means. Yep. Agreed. Solution two, choose wisely, Mm -hmm. right? So you probably do this inherently in large part for what you're doing regardless of the sport. But for football, it's even more important to pay close attention. And let's face it, Panini comes out with a lot of different products each year. Who knows if another manufacturer at some point in the future will have the right to make football cards again. Right now it's Panini only. And Panini has put out some dud products that just by virtue of them being new, which adds some excitement, you might have jumped in and tried to see what's what. Well, the truth is those products are probably worth waiting on and seeing if it's worth it. I know a lot of people don't love to wait in this in this hobby because if that product was hot year one, you missed out. Well, how many times is the year one product truly hot? And in football, it's even more of a risk than in other sports to jump into that year one product. So we would whittle it down to probably three products. And it's really one and then 2A and 2B. Mm-hmm. Number one was contenders. And then the other two were either prism or optic. The reason we didn't decide between just prism or just optic was because this year – the whole silver decision to make it one rookie silver per box, we think really hurt Prism and will ultimately make Optic a better product in this particular year. Yeah. That could change. And it, it obviously was the case in the years past that Prism was more valuable in Optic than Optic. And in future years, we'll see um, if they continue to do the one silver rookie per box. It might solidify optic as number two to contenders. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah, that, that is an interesting one. And so for folks who don't know, optic comes out, uh, hobby comes out the third week of December. So about a month from now, retail might come out a week before that. Uh, so yeah, maybe optic does become more valuable this year. That would be interesting. It, it's not, it's, there's not a lot of markup in comparison to prism. So uh, for folks that but are we looking, might see that change this year because of, the prism debacle. Yeah, we may. But as of right now, if you were to jump on and buy a box. Oh, you're case, saying markup on buying retail. Correct, correct, yeah. I thought you were talking secondary, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, for those that are collecting and investing, and maybe optics a way to go. The third point we wanted to make is if you're looking to, quote, invest in football, 
there's always been a strategy of investing in the graded cards. And I think, I think in football, it makes as much sense as any sport because base rookies and some of just the base parallel stuff just doesn't hold a lot of value. So if you believe in a player and you believe in the upside of a player, the best way to capture that value is to invest in their graded cards. It protects you on the downside, gives you kind of a floor, if you will. And it gives you some of that, you know, hey, I want to invest and make sure that I, I have an opportunity to see some of this guy's talent realized in the value of a card. So a perfect example of that is Patrick Mahomes, right? This year, if you were heading into the year, if you were to go snack some of his graded stuff, his graded contenders autos, or really any of his prism autos or optic autos for that matter, uh, I mean, you saw like three to four X return in the first five games, whereas the base stuff ungraded was seeing like a two X return. Uh, so investing graded is another suggestion. Number four, invest I, in certain I, products. Yeah, <laughs> you just you just said it by using Mahomes as the example, right? <laughs> right. Invest in positions that actually right. make sense. In those positions, as you would expect, are kickers, offensive linemen, offensive <laughs> linemen. <laughs> Long snappers. <laughs> Leave the quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs to us. We'll nice. take care of that. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> right. Go for right. running backs, quarterbacks, and receivers. And if you're going for running backs and receivers, just be prepared for massive injuries that will affect the prices really quickly. But those guys move. Yeah. And and actually, the way I had put it in our sidebar conversation before going on air was QBs are one, two, and three. <laughs> right. We want to go after QBs and almost only QBs if it's for an investment. Not to say that there aren't running backs like a Gurley out there, but look at Le'Veon Bell, who really outside of Gurley for the past however many years is the best running back this league has seen. And... What a, I mean, he still has some value, even though he's not going to play at all this season. And that's an extreme example. But even when he was playing last year, you could still get his contender's rookie auto for less than 100 bucks. Which, for yeah. a top position, for a guy who's tops in his position at the next position after QB, for, to, to be that cheap, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, a prospect quarterback is still going for more than that, and your potential return is is far greater. It doesn't yeah. have to be Mahomes, you know. Like you could still make a, a decent decision, even now knowing how bad he might be with a guy like a Josh Rosen, you know. Not yep. to mention Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold. Right. Yep. That's good. That's a great point. Uh, okay, so there, there's four suggestions for you. If you're looking at this as an investment and kind of how we would advise you to approach it. Now, let's flip it a little bit and talk about from a the hobbyist perspective. Maybe not so much the manufacturer, maybe a little bit from the manufacturer, but as a hobby, like how how is this addressed and how do we kind of get football to become more of a relevant and lucrative investment? What what comes to mind? We have it, this is totally off the cuff. So what, what kind of comes to mind for you? A couple things come to mind for me. Yeah, I mean, I think the first is cutting down on the number of products that are produced. I know, I know, I've heard enough that they are beholden to the league for their license to a pay for it, right? So they have to make a certain amount of profit to be able to afford the license, 
And I do believe that by the letter of the contract that Panini has with the NFL, they dictate the number of products that they want per year, or at least at a minimum. Um, but the reality is, in terms of value, it's too many products, and it's too many me too. I know that's a pretty bad phrase to use. Jeez, here we go. But but I but I think you look. It's funny. I, I'm in sales, and I, I happen to be in pharmaceutical sales, and we we use the the term me too for something else, which is another drug that comes onto the market to address the same condition. How many different proton pump inhibitors there are for GERD? Mm-hmm. You know, eight different drugs for GERD. How much better is the eighth one? It's it's not. Mm-hmm. So the point is, you could probably point to three, four, five even products in the football market that all remind you of each other and haven't really provided any significant value over the, the previous one. So I, I, I think the biggest thing to address the value proposition in the football market is less product and less products that just are the same thing. Correct. Yep. That, that by far is number one, I think on our list. Yeah. Um, Number two, the one thing that comes to mind, this is not an easy fix. I totally get it. But we need some sort of minor league system in the football world. Like that that immediately adds value to investing in, quote, prospects and rookies and young players, uh, kind of building hype for players. Uh, I know that's probably, this is a long, long shot. Um, no, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. It may never happen, but like that—that that to me is what really contributes to a lot of the uh, inherent value in young players and and baseball. And I think even like the G League stuff for NBA has really helped do that for NBA cards. So maybe there's something there. the The other side of that is expanding the market, and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. But international markets we're going to have someone on our, our episode or a podcast next week to talk about kind of the european influence in the nfl uh wax pack lyrical if you guys haven't heard of them go check them out um so but yeah i mean finding a way to get international f- folks involved I, I just i don't see how it's going to work there i just don't see the vision it's not they're not it's not sticking and here's the reality even if they were and when you say they, it's that's really an NFL thing. And we know that they want to be more of an international, uh, have more of an international presence by having games in the UK and Mexico and talk about expansion into or overseas or below the border. Look, if they do it great, it, it might work. It, I have my own feelings about it. I'm pretty skeptical. But no matter what they do, they'll never be as international of a game as basketball or baseball. But yeah. I do understand your point. To, to, to bridge that a little bit and make themselves more valuable, and by doing so, it will make cards more valuable as well. Um, I just, yeah. I, it's funny that you said the minor league thing. And it's not some, this is not a topic we discussed much beforehand, so I didn't know that Ty was going to say that. But... Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who plays for the Panthers, uh, for the for the younger listening audience, you might only know Christian McCaffrey and not be aware that his father, Ed, played for the Broncos. Well, Ed McCaffrey, along with some NFL support, was 
and he might not have given up entirely, but I know that they had some significant hiccups that affected their progress. But he was in the process of putting together some type of minor league program that would play in the offseason in California. There were going to be four teams, guys that were either like kind of at the low end of the roster, practice squad guys, guys that had a tough time with college and just really weren't student athletes. Um, we're going to make up the teams. They were going to, like I said, have four teams and play kind of round robin through the summer towards a playoff. And uh, like I said, the last I read about it, the, when I read about it initially it was two years ago and they were planning on launching um, this coming summer. And it's, I know it's not happening so yeah. far. Uh, I don't know if it's funding or television. I mean, they have to have some type of support behind it. They can't just throw it together and say, great, here we are. They'll just run out of money. They'll siphon money and run out of money way too quickly. They have to have some type of media support to pull something like this off. Yeah. Well, uh, the the reality, unfortunate reality, is that NFL and football in general has just gotten an incredibly bad rap the last five years. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to overcome that. It's really hard to overcome that. I would um, argue that they'll never overcome it. Yeah. And that's why when you initially said minor league thing, I my my thought, I didn't want to interrupt you, was no way, never going to happen. Because yeah. I don't see the NFL ever being able to turn the clock back and say, uh, you know, CTE isn't a major issue. Head hits aren't a major issue. And the game has not only forever been changed, but is going to continue to change. Yeah towards i believe and this is just my personal belief and i've had a lot of people disagree with me but i'll put it out there i believe that in 10 years it's not going to be the same sport we're watching today maybe less by the way clay matthews would agree what did clay matthews say (laughs) oh yes no he's just he always he's he's the guy that's been penalized so many times this year for just you know normal hits like he can't play his game anymore i the reason i asked is because I actually think it was either his father or uncle that not long ago made a comment publicly that he doesn't think the sport will be around in its form, you know, in the near future. So even an ex guy, I mean, he, is he already in the hall of fame or obviously will be mm-hmm. every Matthews is going to be in the hall of fame. At some right. Time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And I remember we talked about that about a month ago. Right. Does it even exist? Uh, one other thought for you to consider. Maybe this is a, a good f- way of fixing the hobby. Remove the exclusivity. The Remove the exclusive license and bring tops back into it. Nothing has come close to the popularity of Topps Chrome. And I don't think anything will. If Prism hasn't done it already and they have to do something like limiting silvers to one per box for rookies... And it not being successful as a decision, what else are they going to do? Yeah. I mean, nothing is going to be as popular as Topps Chrome. Bring it back. I couldn't. I could not agree more. Yep. So I don't know. There are some suggestions. I think it all goes back to products and oversaturation. I mean, of yeah. course, having incredible players helps a lot. I mean, and this year's a great example, right? This is the, the quarterbacks are pure trash or just not performing <laughs> unfortunately but we have a generational running back who almost like a Doncic in basketball it, it, he's he's basically carrying products by himself 
Like, you have to hit Saquon Barkley in Prism to even like come remotely close to recouping your investment. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun seeing guys like DJ Moore and and Christian Kirk and Ridley and some of those receivers actually have some pretty good games the last few weeks. Uh, but it's just futile at this point. I feel like. Yeah. So I'm a fan of football. I watch it every Sunday. But when it comes to my level of attention towards my card collecting outside of just going after my PC Steelers, it's other sports. Yep. Bottom line. Agreed. Well, there you go. I think that's a wrap. We can we will touch back on it again when we talk to Wax Pack Lyrical and see what they have to say from the London perspective. I'm excited to hear their perspective. I am too. They, they wrote us a nice tweet. I'll have to dig into that a little bit. And we'll have some – obviously we'll have our – divisive thoughts you being the more divisive one <laughs> love how i got that moniker i don't know where, where what i did at some point to deserve it but i'll take it no it's it's a good I'll carry it's, that it's a good thing it's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> um lastly and i, I want to bring this up because it, it is important to me um last week we mentioned this tops update chrome and Shani, you gave some suggestions on how to potentially pull more autographs. Uh, there, there's been some uh, insinuations on Twitter that that you, to some degree, are searching for stuff. And I just want to remove that insinuation completely. You and I are the biggest advocates of like figuring out ways to protect cards and protect pack searchers. That is by no means what you were insinuating or what we would ever recommend. The point was there's serial numbers on back of the blasters. You notice that every seventh or so serial number, and you've done this for years, just look at the serial numbers because you're curious. Actually, and by the way, I've done the looking at serial numbers for years because I'm just weird about numbers. I've always gone after my favorite numbers or the dates of my kids' birthdays. I never really would have been buying enough to look closely at the serial number to care. It's just something I did. If, I, if I'm if i at a local hobby shop and they've got five boxes of the product that I happen to be buying, rather than just randomly picking it, hey, let me look at the serial numbers. I'll pick the ones with more nines in it today. Whatever. It just happened to be that with this one, you the odds are very clear. One in seven blasters. So if I hit an auto. Yep. So, you know, if somebody wants to consider that pack searching, even though I'm not really touching anything, I definitely wasn't weighing anything. I'm literally reading a sticker that's on the cell, uh, on the outside of the box. Look, I, I guess that, uh, you know, uh, we'll have to disagree. agree to disagree, you know, and that's fine. Um, no, but, I won't agree to it. No, I appreciate your support because I definitely don't <laughs> consider myself the kind of guy that's. Uh, no, we hate that stuff. Doing and I want to make sure, like, exactly. people know, like that. That's by never will we would we advertise or even advocate for any degree of searching, pack searching, feeling. Right. You know, but what, what, are we nerds and we're numbers guys? Yeah. Yes. We, we yes. are, and there's a perfect example of it. Uh, so anyway, we'll let that die. And off. by the way, conversely, I could have easily, instead of looking at some serial numbers and trying to get a little lucky, just bought all 10 or 15 blasters that were there and give nobody else a shot. But that would have been spending $200 and we've already heard from you today about spending $200 <laughs> and that is impossible for you to do. It uh, is. 
All right. It is because my life would leave me. Real quickly, uh, entertainment, movies. I'm really excited to see mid-90s. Oh, I already talked about that, and I still haven't seen it. That's funny. I think I brought this up on the last episode that uh, Jonah Hill, super bad Jonah Hill, funny, usually known as a comedy actor, but is dipped his foot into some drama stuff and yep. he's recently released his passion project, his first, his directorial debut mid nineties. I still haven't had a chance to see it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely trying to, I haven't seen a movie in quite a few weeks. Um, kids started basketball again and work got a little busy and I'm, I'm excited too. But uh, yeah, what about you? A couple that, that I've seen recently that I'd recommend one in the theaters. If you're, you're a kids movie fan, uh, the Grinch was awesome. The new Grinch. Oh yeah, totally good. Yeah, they had the, who plays the Grinch now? Uh, the Grinch, a voice. It's, so it's animated. It's from the makers of Despicable uh, Me, which I love that that kind of flavor of animation. The the uh, I think they just do have a really good taste when it comes to that. Uh, the right. voice is uh, what's his name? Uh, Sherlock guy. Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yes, Benedict. Cumberbatch, I like him. Yeah, awesome job. But the uh, the twist they have toward the middle and end of the movie is is really really good. I actually thought it was a really tasteful way of handling the Grinch. Another one, a rental that just came on video. It kind of slipped by in the theaters. A movie called Alpha. Alpha. What's it about? It's about. It's like five thousand BC. It's essentially the story of this tribe. And this dad and the parents, but this becoming of age movie of this kid, and he has to survive on his own, and he huh. makes friends with a wolf, and, and it becomes oh. basically like a dog and good boy and dog movie, but it's like the first pet type thing, and it's like super intense. It's almost like um, Gladiator meets, you know, um, Max. Or, or one of those you know, Lassie or something. It's really stinking good, like a really good movie. <laughs> I'm gonna check it out. I, you know, <clears throat> when you said gladiator, the word gladiator just now made me think of Titan, the new kind of American Ninja Warrior style TV show that The Rock has put out there. Yeah. Have you? I don't know. Is it actually released yet? Or have you? I don't. It? I think it comes out December, right? Or maybe January. No, I haven't. I think it's. I thought it was sooner. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about the date, but I, you just made me think of it. Is all. Yeah. I don't know when it's releasing, but uh, it looks interesting. Yeah, it does. My kids love watching Ninja Warrior, and uh, I don't know if any of those kind of gyms have opened up near you that. Oh yeah. Make an attempt to do the whole obstacle course thing, Um, but the kids have tried it a couple times and they love it. Yeah. Oh, I agree. No, I, I think it looks incredible. I can't wait. Uh, anything The Rock does, I'm kind of a fan of. He's been pretty <laughs> solid. Agree. Pretty solid, yeah. Did you see like Skyscraper? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, new, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, I want to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a little bit of a, a source of nothing today because I've just been so busy with a, a few other things that I haven't, I haven't really – oh, excuse me. I have been doing something relative – to entertainment recently that is the only thing I've been doing because I've been binging all six seasons and I'm one season away from completing all six seasons. And that is Netflix's house of cards. Oh, 
Okay. All right. I never got into it. I even tried to watch the first few episodes when it came out initially. Yeah. People were going crazy about it. And I kind of said, you know, and I actually had a conversation with a, a friend of mine recently who uh, I, I we tend to have the same taste. And he was just like, dude, give it another shot. It's really good. Get past the first uh, X number of episodes. I, don't, I can't remember how many he asked me to watch before I gave it, a you know, a, an, another thumbs down. Obviously, it took yeah. and I got into it because, like I said, I'm a couple of episodes into the fifth out of six seasons and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Even though it's watching Kevin Spacey and we kind of know mm. he did some ugly things. Yeah. Um, he is really good in it. And there are a few other actors. I don't think I've ever seen Robin Wright in anything that she's as good in. She's excellent in this and she's beautiful uh i don't even i honestly i can't even remember anything else she's in other than being sean penn's ex-wife i don't know any i don't know anything um yeah but it's it's been very good i know it's risque Mm -hmm. it's not for every audience that is for certain but uh and it's it's a pretty studded cast too by the way outside of just those two that i mentioned the cast is deep. Sorry for the background noise of my uh, dog's collar clanging around here. I'm trying to hold on to it, but he won't let me just hold it. He keeps running around. He's uh, he's not a puppy, but he sure acts like one. Now, he, your little dog's been our, a little nemesis for us the last few podcasts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut that collar. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, man. we got to wrap this up, but I will leave you with one more Amazon Prime special. I'm a sucker for uh, a little tiny band that some of you may have heard of, Coldplay. They have their exclusive Head Full of Dreams, kind of two-hour, 20-year biography, kind of behind the scenes that came out. Oh, really? Incredible. So I'll definitely good. watch that. So good. We just bought fire sticks for all the TVs. So There you go. I'm going to be watching a lot more. We, we now just tripled the amount of content we have in this house, which is not a good thing, by nope. the way. Yep. That's you'll get to see your kids a, a few few less times per week now. Yep. <laughs> yep. But not this week, man. Have a, have an enjoyable Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Have weekend. a great we'll Thanksgiving. Yep. Happy, and, healthy, safe, and to all of you out there, happy, healthy, safe Thanksgiving. That's right. We'll, uh, talk We're to thankful you for you listening to us ramble on. Yes. Thankful for you listening to us argue about meaningless things. At the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, enjoy your families and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week.